I agree with this. It's like, that is one of the better parts of this experience for me. It's been a challenge in, in the best of ways. It's, it's challenged the way I think about myself. It's challenged. And I don't mean that with a negative connotation. It's, it's almost like it's within the realm of, of my possibility. It's just a little bit of a stretch. Mm-hmm. you know and, and that's and it's exciting when you like just stretch a little bit more than what you thought you might want to and you get it you know you yeah. achieve it and it's so satisfying to be able to do that welcome to episode 5 of who needs permission I am very excited to welcome two of my very special friends and guests from uh, a past life when I lived in Boise, Idaho. I have Michelle and Jesus here today, married and living in Portugal. And so I invited them on to talk about their experience uh, moving across the world after living in Boise, I think for many years. So uh, Michelle and Jesus, thank you so much for being here today. And I would just love for you to introduce yourselves. Tell me a little bit about where you're from and and where you are now. And Michelle, do you want to go ahead and get us started? Yeah. Thanks so much, Hannah. It is such a pleasure to be on the podcast, be part of it. (laughs) I'm really excited for the things that you're putting out there into the world. My name is Michelle Wooten. I am currently living in Porto, Portugal. I grew up in the Boise Idaho area, painting with broad strokes here, but most of my adult life was in Boise, which I absolutely loved. That's where most of his and I's relationship was, uh, where we adopted our two fluffy cats. The place that I'm slowly transitioning from calling home now now that home is building in Porto. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, Zeus. Thank you, Hannah. And congratulations on your podcast. I think this is really cool. And uh, I'm proud of you for doing it because in the whole theme of recovering from friction is sometimes... We just don't do things because it's not good enough or we just wait forever. So this is really cool. And uh, it inspires me to maybe do my own podcast because I already record like 50-minute WhatsApp messages to my friends and family. So (laughs) might as well make something of it. It is not as hard as I thought it would be. So (laughs) to put something out (laughs) there. That's encouraging. You can do it. So anyways. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. My name is Jesus Tarifa, and I was born in La Paz, Bolivia. I moved to the U.S. when I was eight years old, specifically to the Boise, Idaho area, and that's where my home was for 25 years. I went through school there. I went to college in that area where Michelle and I started dating, and like Michelle said, Boise is a pretty incredible place, so we had a lot of happy memories, a lot of good friends, a lot of things to do, but we were ready to enter a new chapter in life, which included traveling and seeing more of the world and now we're living in Porto, Portugal, and we've been here for today. I think it's literally four months. So it's wow. our portiversary, four months, <laughs> and uh, it's been awesome. <laughs> well, that's great. And the main topic is a few months ago, um, you all moved to Portugal, and I actually remember uh, I saw it on Instagram. You had this cute little slide, like couple images that were like, we're moving, and here's why, and here's what's happening. I think many of us imagine up and moving somewhere and having a a big adventure. And I I know I've thought of it and have never actually, aside from studying abroad, done it. And so you all have done it. So what led you to make this change? So there's a lot of push factors and pull factors. And in the end, it was a confluence of things. Like 
both before and during early COVID times, we had people either in our lives directly or kind of tangentially who were relatively young and who passed away relatively young, I should say. And unfortunately, didn't get to see and live the fullness of their long lives. And that impacted us quite a lot. Um, we started thinking like, you know, we're, we're young. Our life is relatively unburdened. We are blessed and privileged in many ways. Like maybe we should take this opportunity to be more adventurous. And, you know, it kind of started out as a, as a fantasy, you know, of like, oh, what would it look like to like, live around the world. We even, I looked back at my journal preparing for this and I saw a whole itinerary of like a four year itinerary of where we would live for like three or four months around the world. Wow. We would take like one year in South America and then Asia and then Africa and then Europe. We do like this hub and spoke thing where maybe we would live in Rwanda, let's say for three months. And we would use that opportunity to travel around that place, that area and explore and, and live. And as that fantasy kind of grew to, you know, like some soft Googling became a little bit less, less fantasy and more like a, like a dream or a goal, you know, things started to harden up and, and I was like, maybe we should do this. And so that journal entry I was talking about was July of 2020. Mm -hmm. It was October of 2021 that we ended up telling my family and Jesus's family, Hey guys, like we are planning on moving. Like we're going to apply. We're going to make this happen. And then another year after that, we landed here in Porto. That sums it up really well. I would just add, for me at least, wanting to find a place. I, I always had a dream of going back to Bolivia since mm -hmm. I was a kid and I moved to the States. Uh, I left so much of who I was, I felt behind in Bolivia that I wanted to, sorry, living downtown Porto and there's traffic going by. No and uh, <laughs> it was always a dream of mine to go back to Bolivia, do something in Bolivia. And so really talking to Michelle about this and trying to figure out what it would look like, it was, is it truly Bolivia itself? Is it more of a want to travel and to see the world? And then we'll get more into this as we, as we talk, of course, but researching where we ended up, it's almost like the best of both worlds. It's, it's like they call that the Iberian Peninsula is like being in Latin America, except you're in Europe. <laughs> which is so true in so many ways. And so for me, it's really put me at ease with myself and with my want to be in Latin America because it's it's safe here. It's um, accessible to so many places. You have all the amenities of a first world country, but um, you have those things that still make Latin America special in terms of uh, how the culture is, the, the warmness of the people. And also, I think for me, and I'll talk more about this later, but just feeling at ease with my, literally in my own skin, because for anyone who's a person of color in the U.S., it's it's been rough, especially the last few years with a lot of things being dug up in terms of uh, racial issues. And so for me, it's just so nice living, like just living here and leaving my house and knowing that I'm not going to be harassed because of what I look like. I'm going to have a great day. People are going to interact with me because of who I am rather than what I look like. So that's also been really, really cool. And part of the research that we did was where are we going to be safe in the fullness of who we are as human beings? Mm. Yeah. And I thank you for sharing that. And I'm, I am sorry to hear that that's been your experience. And I know it's true for a lot of people. It's certainly 
also excited for you as you explore in a place that you feel safe. I think that's, you know, you deserve that. So you kind of talked about it already. What made you choose Portugal? Um, you know, again, it was like, it was like a moving target in, in a way. I talked about our, our four-year globe trotting plans. And at some point we realized with COVID and, and vaccine rollouts, we didn't want to put anyone at further risk. So we didn't want to start in rural South America and, and risk bringing COVID to a place that wasn't prepared to handle it. So we thought, well, maybe we would start in Europe instead of South America. So if we did go to Europe, where what would make sense? And we're, we were still kind of operating on this like hub and spoke idea. Like what would be a good home base that we could travel around from that, you know, would have a, a relatively low cost of living, but access to an airport, things like that. Jesus speaks Spanish. So it was kind of an easy thought that Spain would be at the top of the list. And we actually did start researching a few cities there. And then at one point, one of our good and trusted friends, Ali said, guys, listen, everything that you love about Spain is wonderful, but it's better in Portugal. You should just, just see it. Just, just check it out. Just consider it. And we, we love and trust her. And uh, she's lived around the world and, and traveled a lot. So we're like, we gave some weight to that. So we're like, okay, well, maybe we will consider that. And so, you know, lots of YouTube videos later, we were like, oh, okay. I think she was right. Portugal is amazing. And, and it had all the things we wanted. It has great healthcare. It has easy travel. The cost of living is very competitive. The people and the culture seem lovely. And now that is our lived experience too. They are lovely. So once, once it was decided on Portugal, then it was a decision between Porto up here in the north and Lisbon further south. And comparing the two, a few factors, again, cost of living, weather, kind of a landing spot for us. How are you all handling work now that you're living abroad? We're in a, I would say, pretty privileged position because we're able to take time off. So we're actually on a sabbatical of sorts. While I'm technically still employed for the mortgage company that I've been a part of for the last four or five years, we have a pretty sweet setup right now in that my book of business is being handled by a coworker. So that's been really nice because it also with the time difference, it allows uh, business to continue as normal. And they've been amazing. They've been so uh, helpful. And I was actually really nervous. We had a meeting with my boss and I was like sweating bullets. I was like, oh my gosh, what's he going to say? And he's been nothing but incredible in terms of facilitating this and really telling me he was like, I'm trying to remember exactly what I said. He's like, you're going to live the life that we all want to live. It's like a soap opera is what he said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah, he's been amazing. And so has my immediate supervisor. She's actually the person taking care of our book of business. So that's been really nice in that sense. But what's even cooler is that we weren't planning on that being a reality. We weren't thinking that it was going to work out that way. So when we were planning, budgeting, figuring things out, we weren't banking on that income to make this happen. So that's been really nice in the sense that we're able to take a sabbatical of sorts. And also uh, part of the the thought of moving to Europe and moving specifically to Portugal was that we can afford to make less money here when and if we return to the workforce or we have our own business of sorts. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, you pay taxes like you do anywhere on earth. But those taxes are going to tangible things that are directly benef- benefiting us. For example, healthcare. For example, um, 
have my list here. <laughs> <laughs> healthcare, education. So if Michelle and I decide to have kids someday, we don't have to worry about, oh my gosh, it's going to cost us thousands of dollars to deal with simply the birth or God forbid something happens to the baby, then you're bankrupt. Or um, yeah. as your kid grows up, uh, their university is paid for because it's the public university and the private university is super cheap compared with U.S. costs, where we talk to our friends, of course, and even our, our lived experience over there. And it's like, oh, my gosh, you have to budget like 50K a year for your kid to go to college. And so that's been really nice to be able to to really look at that and say, OK, we have the ability to be here without having to worry so much about needing to make a certain level of income. Like in the U.S., it almost feels like, uh, at least in my line of work, it was always like chasing chasing that next paycheck almost because just everything going up in cost, right? And also, I, I'm sorry if I'm going on a tangent, but just the culture too in the U.S. Mm-hmm. is so much about consumerism and having the newest thing and the biggest house and the coolest car. And being here seems the culture values things more like family, like the simplicity mm-hmm. of simply existing, like simply going out and going to the beach. And it's just really nice to feel like you value and you matter based on things that are beyond just how much money you make and comparing your W-2s with those of your coworkers and things of that sort. So so to answer your question, we're not currently uh, working a nine to five. We do have sources of passive income, like we're renting out our house. We also have an Airbnb back in Boise that we're uh, making money off of. We have the money that we budgeted for this. And then the biggest windfall of all, which was the fact that we're still able to, well, at least I am able to be technically still employed and have that book of business. And yeah, it's been really cool. And how long is your sabbatical? Uh, We'll see how much money we spend. It could be a year if we go crazy, or it could be a few years if we're um, wise with our money. So it, it just goes back to that. And the other thing I'll mention, because I I am fully aware the more time that we spend here and the more people that we meet that we are in a very unique position, but we've met so many people here that are our age, that are even younger than us, that are here and they're not rich. They're not in a setup where they can afford to take years off of work. They're working. But like I said, because the cost of living is lower and also the things that matter, like healthcare education are covered already. Uh, For example, we have a couple of friends that they both work in IT and they both work part-time and they both work U.S. hours. So, for example, they start work, I think, at noon or 1 p.m., 2 p.m., and they work till like 6, 7 p.m., which is perfect because the Portuguese way of life, nothing at all happens between 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. So (laughs) these guys are in the morning, they're living their life in the afternoon when everyone's taking a nap and hanging out. These guys are working their U.S. job, and then in the evening, they're back to to life because as anyone who knows the Iberian Peninsula, from 7 p.m. onward, life happens. And so that's really cool. Then we have another friend who is, she's an author, so she's able to be anywhere on earth and do the work she needs to do. And they chose Portugal because of similar reasons than most people do, which is cost of living and also, yeah, like I said, just the culture and way of life. So absolutely doable. In fact, that was really inspirational for us because we thought at some point, I'll admit, I thought this is only going to be possible as long as we're able to afford what we're doing with the money we've saved. But then I realized, okay, if we do want to go back to work, we can work remote, we can start a business. So 
that's been really cool because now I realize this is my new life. Like I can make this a permanent thing. It's not just as long as I have money in the bank. It's if I need, I need, and I need to, I can go to work and, and do like our friends do here, which is work uh, four hours a day and then be able to afford being <laughs> here and having a good life. <laughs> uh, that sounds really amazing. I would not mind joining you. <laughs> and Michelle, I know. So one thing that I, I thought was really cool about you is I know several years ago, you quit your nine to five job and started your own business, your own coaching business, um, which is something I think you and I bonded over. But what's your status right now in terms of your business and, and the work that you're doing? Yeah, I don't know that I have a label for what I'm doing or not doing right now. <laughs> I think of the last four months since we've been here, Really, I've just been focusing on settling in, like finding a routine, finding who I am as a recent immigrant to Portugal. The past year for both of us has been really, really intense. It was just over a year ago, we eloped in the mountains. And then during the spring, we were working on the application for our visa really heavily. In the summer, we had our twice postponed wedding reception. (sighs) And then in the fall, we were organizing and selling almost everything we owned to come here. So it's felt like a whirlwind. So to have these last few months kind of process and settle in has been really important. But funny you should ask that because earlier today, I did make and post a video to my coaching page, which I haven't done in maybe a year. Like, so I, I feel like I'm, I've been maybe like been very busy and now I'm coming out of like a wintering phase and I'm coming into more like a a spring cycle where like things are starting to come out, come out of me. And, and I, you know, I'm being inspired and, and I'm being creative um, because I was able to take a little bit of that downtime to process the last year or so. Well, three years, like all of us, but my coaching practice is, is on its way back up. I think I have the capacity to be there for people now, whereas maybe the last year I didn't. I wasn't in a place to be of service the way I wanted to. And with this ex- whole experience, I've learned so much about myself that I I think I will be in, in a better position to help people through different experiences too. I mean, and that's, you probably really, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but one of my favorite experiences as a coach is being able to walk people through things that are familiar, even though I, you know, they have their own path, just as I did mine having experiences to draw from and help my clients know that I can at least relate to them, that they're not alone in whatever struggle or discovery is really fascinating. So I'm kind of thinking of this like as another feather in my cap of experiences that I'm I'm going to be able to draw from to help people and be of service to people. So a very roundabout way of answering your specific question, but that's, you know, I think the kind of state that I'm in with the changes that we've been navigating. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I love the idea of wintering and some finally coming into spring. Cause I feel like I felt very similar a year ago. I was just, I didn't have the energy to really do much beyond work and the day-to-day life stuff. And I tend to beat myself up a lot for not trying harder not hustling more. And I'm like, other people do it. Why can't you? Um, <laughs> but I think I like the way that you view that as you needed the time to rest and recuperate. And, and fortunately for me, spring came and I started producing again, which felt really, it's really good. And it's nice to actually feel like I want to, rather than trying to force myself mm-hmm. to do it when I really just need to rest and need, need the time to recover. Cause I think 
the last, like you said, three years have been, I mean, unprecedented. We all needed to find our way through that. Exactly. Yeah. So what's been the best part about relocating to a new country? Best part? Um, I think just being forgiving with ourselves and just knowing that while something may seem obvious now, it wasn't obvious yesterday. (laughs) Even like things that now, for example, like uh, even taking public transport so natural to us, right? It's like we go to this metro stop, we get on this train, we get off here, we connect with this bus, and then boom, we're somewhere where we want to be. Whereas like when we first got here, it was like deer in headlights, especially coming from a place where like there are buses in Boise, but we had a car because mm-hmm. the U.S. is so car centric. You basically have to have a car to have any sort of existence. Yeah. Whereas here we don't have a car, which is really cool. And when we do need a car, you can rent a car for like $14 a day. It's pretty oh, wow. It's awesome. So then our goal was to get here, figure out the public transport, figure out how to get around. And uh, now, for example, it, like I said, it feels like second nature. So I think that in of itself, just having that awareness of, yes, every day is an adventure to some degree. And also um, just being being open to that and just having fun with it. Like, I think Michelle and I have grown closer together because we're in this together. We depend on each other. We help each other out. And then when one of us is ready to freak out, the other one can be like, hey, we got this. We're good. Like, we're going we're gonna to get through this together. Like, I'll share a quick story. I'll try to make it short. But we had a power surge in our building a couple of weeks ago, and it fried some of our electronics. And so we came home, and we had to figure out what the heck was happening. Uh, thank God our neighbor came over, and she speaks. Uh, I, I guess her accent in Portuguese, she's from Angola, so it's easier for me to understand her accent than some of the other accents I've heard. So I was talking to her in Spanish. She was talking to me in Portuguese from Angola, and then her attorney came over because she was like, I'm going to like talk to the building administration. I'm going to get my attorney involved, and he spoke Spanish from Spain. So between all that, we figured out what was happening, and we were able to actually know what were the next steps to figure out what to do with our stuff. Our landlord was awesome, too. But that moment itself, I was just so stressed out. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like, now we got to deal with this. So fortunately, we were resourceful. We were able to figure things out. Now we're dealing with the aftermath. But I think what allowed us to maintain composure was that it's part of the adventure. Mm-hmm. And then we learned valuable lessons. Like everything, even if it's your toothbrush and you got to charge it, needs to be on a search protector. <laughs> so <laughs> to just learning those things and just being forgiving with yourself. Because in hindsight, I was like, well, we should have had search protectors for absolutely everything. And it's like, how the heck was I supposed to know that? Because right. in the U.S., your power current's 110. Here, it's 220. So if there's a power surge here, you're already at the max capacity of your electronics, which I had never even thought about. Right. So, yeah. 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 So just learning, being forgiving with yourself, and then just approaching it, like I said. Every day is an adventure. Even, like, grocery shopping sometimes. We're like, I don't know what this is called in Portuguese. I guess we'll go figure it out. Like, what, what's <laughs> what is it? Like, Q-tips. I was like... I don't even know how to say that in Portuguese. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember when I was living abroad, there were many times where I felt so stupid and I couldn't, like, I couldn't find the bathrooms and because they, they, they weren't, they weren't marked and it, they were kind of like hidden in these closets. And I was like, do these people not go to the bathroom? Like, what is this? <laughs> or getting on the wrong bus in the middle of the night and going in the opposite way. I mean, there's plenty of instances where it's like, 
oh my god are we gonna die like are we sleeping on the streets tonight I don't know and I think yeah the idea of forgiving yourself because it is it's almost like to me it's kind of like being like a child again where everything is new and it's you don't necessarily have context for it so it's like what is this what do I do with it I don't know like um and I I think that's really exciting it's stressful but I also think it's very cool because it's like every day is a, a learning it's very cool yeah, you're so right, Hannah. It's definitely an exercise in like learning to laugh at ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like th- we've definitely made mistakes that in hindsight, something seemed very obvious, but in the moment, like you said, we're like, is that a bathroom? Is that a storage <laughs> closet? Who is in charge in this place? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how do I pay for this thing or whatever it is? You know, or every time we go in, you know, somewhere to eat, you know, we're, we're on our phones, like translating, what is this? Like, how? <laughs> I know we used to grocery shopping is a great example too, because there's so many new things and so many things that, that, you know, we are looking for and expecting that maybe aren't there. So it's, it's definitely an exercise in like lightheartedness and, and flexibility. And I agree with this. It's like, that is one of the better parts of this experience for me. It's been a challenge in, in the best of ways. It's, it's challenged the way I think about myself. It's challenged. And I don't mean that with a negative connotation. It's, it's almost like it's within the realm of, of my possibility. It's just a little bit of a stretch, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, and it's exciting when you like just stretch a little bit more than what you thought you might want to, and you get it, you know, you yeah. achieve it. And it's so satisfying to be able to do that. And I think that's been a lot of our experience here. It's like, it's a stretch and a challenge, but ultimately we figure it out. And if we don't, we have an amazing, funny story to tell our friends who are also like, not sure how to flush the toilets. Like, I swear to you, there's 16 different ways to flush a toilet here. Everyone is hilarious. (laughs) And we just think like, okay, like, is today going to be the day I completely embarrass myself? Maybe let's, let's figure it out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I think uh, living in that discomfort is something that I'm really not very good at. I don't like it. I don't like being uncomfortable. I have a purse and it has everything I would ever need in case there's something comes up that's unexpected. I have every, I can address any need, multiple types of stomach medication, band-aids, chapstick, sunscreen, like snacks, (laughs) like everything I could need because I want to avoid discomfort. Um, And I think it's, I admire the fact that you all are kind of living. I, I, it's like moving abroad seems really um, like it's very romanticized to me. I'm obviously in like full linen clothing, walking around and the winds blowing in my (laughs) hair and I dine on fabulous food every night. But the reality is it's actually very difficult. I, at least from my perspective, I mean, it's, it sounds like y'all are, you know, learning and you're very open, but it's not, I think it's not easy to constantly be out of the zone that you're familiar with. And so I just admire you're that you all are right. sitting with that. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. And it's, it's certainly not easy in that sense, but it's, it's very rewarding. And going into this, you know, when we were telling, started to tell our circle of friends and acquaintances, what was going to happen, what our plan was, you know, a lot of them expressed some of their, their fears or their hesitations. And our response was, well, you know, like we believe in ourselves and in each other enough to know that we'll just figure it out. It's figure outable. Like I we'll just ask someone. We'll Google it. We'll, you know, we'll laugh about it. We'll drink some wine over it. Like we will do something and it will be fine because we we know that we can trust ourselves. We know that we're resilient. And 
and yeah, you're right that like that those doubts and that perfectionism, they play a role in there. And I, I would be lying if I said we didn't have those moments, but we always came back to, you know, at the end of the day, we know that we are resilient and resourceful enough to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I think, so I forget that for myself a lot of the times. And so I think good for you all for hanging on to that because you can and you have, you figured it out and you will continue to do so because there will be another way to flush that toilet. You know, it's just, they're going to introduce <laughs> something <will>. different. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> um, so we've, we may have already kind of touched on this, but you know, what, what's been the most challenging part about moving? I think, um, just finding, I guess, kind of in the same theme. You, so you get so used to being uncomfortable, but then you have to build your home again, right? You have to feel that mm-hmm. place of comfort. Like I remember when we first got here, Jackpot, he's here with me now in the room. He says, hello. That's our hello, cat. Jackpot. He, um, <laughs> he uh, when we first got to the apartment, it's unfurnished and no one's been here for three months. And we leave the cats here so we can go get stuff. And we come back to the apartment, and the cats have this nasty dirt all over their paws. And we're trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And then we figured out that it's because we're in the middle of the city. Like, uh, unless you're cleaning things literally every day, if not every other day, if not every day, there's this gunk that just builds up on things. Oh. And the apartment had been unoccupied for three months. And so we'd been traveling for two days. We were exhausted, time difference. And out of, I don't even know where we like had the energy to clean for four hours. We cleaned for four hours and because I felt like I failed my cats. I was like, oh my gosh, like these guys just traveled halfway across the world with us. And now they're like looking miserable. Like they look like they just got picked up from out of the street. I'm like, what's going on here? So (laughs) we did that and then we didn't have furniture. And so we went to Ikea, had to buy everything, but it wasn't going to get delivered for like 10 days. So we went down to... Shop Wonderful, which is like the local like dollar store equivalent. And we got a couple of inflatable mattresses. Oh. And we slept on the inflatable mattresses in our living room for 10 days. Oh. And Michelle and I remember one night we had, I'm sitting on it right now, our foldable REI chair that we brought from the U.S., like a little camping chair. That was our, that and the inflatable mattresses were our furniture. And one night we're going to bed and I remember Michelle and I joking, saying like, uh, like you were saying, Hannah, like people have this idea of like, especially like moving to Europe, right? Like you're going to drive your little Vespa around the hills in Italy yeah. and we're yeah. like sleeping <laughs> on air mattresses and uh, we have to clean our apartment every day. Otherwise, the debris from the motorcycle traffic gets gets in everything. So it was like, <laughs> it was challenging. But I remember once we got our furniture and it was built, I remember we sat on the couch and we put on Netflix and just that feeling of, oh, my gosh, this is like being home again. This is like our couch in Boise where it was like our safe area where we could come home after a stressful day and just relax. So I think that's been the most challenging thing is finding that comfort. Another milestone for me, and I'm sure Michelle will share hers as well, was when we were able to have Thanksgiving. We had Friendsgiving. We had about nine people total here at the house which I thought was incredible given the fact that we had just been here two months, that we were able to build a little community. We were able to have our American traditions and have that comfort of home, like have turkey, have all the accompaniments, have the friendship. We had a friend visit from the U.S. And so, yeah, I, I think overall that is the most challenging, but it's also 
and maybe it's because I've been training my mind to look at things this way for years now. It's also the, one of the most fun things for me because it's like you're able to recreate the parts of your life that you've appreciated, but then also modify some things to maybe a new reality or a new way of doing them that's more in tune with the person you've become. So, yeah, it's been really fun, but it's also been really challenging. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. What about you, Michelle? I think for me, I definitely agree with Jesus that like transitioning between places that feel like home is really challenging. We were in Boise a long time and, you know, we got to the point where if somebody could tell us what neighborhood they were in, we could say like, oh, such and such friend lives there and there's an amazing pizza place around the corner. And there was just such a deep familiarity with where things were in the city and how the city worked and all of that. And to the point, like we couldn't even walk around town without seeing at least one person that we were like, Oh, Hey, how are yes. you? Or you know, we'd be disappointed if we went to the airport and didn't see someone that we knew. But personally from, for me, and if any of my friends in Boise are listening to this, this is not a dig at them personally. This is my experience in general. My biggest challenge has been managing those relationships that were so close and now shifting those to a long distance relationship. Jesus is really good at this. So I'm really, I'm really lucky to have him as a model for me to do that. But I still struggle because life in Boise kept on going. You know, it didn't stop because we moved. And so it it does mean so much when our friends reach out and of, and of course you know i try my best to to reach out too the the time difference does make that somewhat difficult it's like 7 or 8 hours but for me it is that transition from easy access friends you know we could just call and text and be like hey what are you up to tomorrow hey you know we're at such and such place like can you do you want to come for happy hour to now it's like well, you know, we don't want to interrupt your work day, but by the time you get off work, like it's midnight here and we're asleep. So maybe it's just not this weekend, but the three weekends from now, you know, mm-hmm. it's it, the logistics of it gets difficult. So I think there's a little bit of, it's not total isolation because like as you said, we're building a community here. We have friends that we can, you know, text and say, hey, what are you up to tomorrow? But those transitions between all those relationships has been a challenge. Yeah. I can only I can only imagine. It's been definitely I think and I I don't know fun <laughs> to meet people in this environment too because we're all in the same boat. So that's been nice as well because we we can all share a lot of the same challenges and a lot of the same motivations for being here. Uh, one thing I'll add, and I can't believe Michelle and I haven't brought up this before, is the challenge of the language at times. Yeah. But I think <laughs> um, we have, and it's really easy to exist in a bubble. So that's, I think, also part of why it's not top of mind right now, because once you know, like, for example, buying bread stops being a scavenger hunt and you know where to go and you have your patterns in place, it's it's very easy to live in, a, in an expat bubble where all your friends are Americans that have similar motivation to you. So you have a lot in common with them immediately. And then you're doing your expat activities. Like yesterday, for example, we went to an expat meetup and there were probably 100 people there. And it was really wow. cool because uh, they're all age ranges. They're from maybe late 20s to people in their 70s that have retired and moved here. And so it's really cool, but also uh, really eye-opening in the sense that uh, it is the challenge of the language, I think, that prevents us from having more Portuguese friends. Like our cat sitter is our Portuguese friend right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think for me, it's been kind of an adventure, too, because I speak Spanish. And so... Portuguese people can understand everything I say, 
but I can understand maybe half, even less, probably 40% of what people in Porto tell me. But if I meet someone from Brazil, I probably get 80% of what they say. So then that's just the difference in the accent and the way people pronounce things. But yeah, the language is definitely interesting. What has moving to a new country made possible for you? I kind of touched upon this at the beginning, but, and I wrote it down here in a way that I want to express it. It's just feeling at ease with myself, like I was mentioning, feeling comfortable in my own skin. And that's been really nice because I think I'm fortunate to say that I didn't have like what I know other people have faced, like those really scary moments with racism or the police or anything like that in, in Idaho. I think people in Boise, for the most part, come from a good place. Like everyone's super, like when I go on a run on a green belt in Boise, everyone says good morning, right? Everyone comes from a good place. But uh, there are those moments where you definitely feel like you stick out, right? Like, for example, even in a professional setting, I can't even count. I, I can tell you that no matter where I've worked, there's been that time when I look around the room and I'm the only Latino male and I think about it, okay, how come there's, I'm the only person that looks like me? And it leads me to, and maybe I'm, this is, I tell Michelle, it's the curse of education, right? Because you start looking then at what, what are the structural things at play? Uh, how come there's no, no more representation? What are all these barriers that exist? And they're all intentional, right? It's not like right. we live in a, in a vacuum. And so here, it's feeling at ease with myself, feeling like I don't have to worry about my skin color or the way I dress. Uh, that's another huge thing in the U.S. that I noticed was that uh, there's all these like codes and markers for if you're, or I'll, I'll put it in the way I express it. If you're brown and you mm -hmm. wear certain things, people look at you differently, right? They might think, oh, like they judge you. Whereas here, I can go outside wearing whatever the heck I want. No one cares. I could wear a pink tutu and no one cares. And then the other thing is uh, also uh, the anonymity that I like about the fact that there's so much diversity of people that I, I'm not treated like, the, I'll give the example. And the company I work for has been really wonderful about this, but I've been in other settings where you're put on the spot. It's like, Jesus, you're the only brown guy in the room. Will you please tell us what it's like for all brown people in the U.S. to have XYZ experience? And it's like, no, I can't because I can only tell you about my experience. Whereas here, it's the anonymity of, because there's so much diversity, I'm not the default token or spokesperson for an entire ethnicity. So that's been really nice that this place has allowed me to just uh, exist without having to worry about what I look like, what I'm dressed like, or even if people are going to be uh, people that are trying to not be racist, but then take it to the opposite, which are, is then, well, you're one of the good brown guys, so oh, tell God. us what you think. And so... It all, it seems like the U.S. is so obsessed with race that even when people are trying to be well and like have a good intention, well intended, it ends up being racist anyway, right? Because it's like, I know you're trying to include me, but you're using me as a token. So then it's very problematic, and I hope that that gets resolved someday. But for me, at least, it's been really nice to remove myself from that situation and be at peace with who I am and live in a place that there's so much diversity, right? There's all the Portuguese people that are from everywhere in the world, right? From Africa, from Asia, from Brazil. It's just awesome. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that. Michelle? Yeah. Um, two things that I've identified so far that moving to a new country has made possible for me. The first is living in a society that more closely aligns with my values. This also goes back to like, why, why did we choose Portugal? 
I guess I'll speak for myself. I really appreciate slowness of Portuguese life because the emphasis is on enjoying the short time we have on earth Mm -hmm. and enjoying the people around us and coming from especially the U.S. work culture where it's about not only your main job and how you have to be the top of your game there, but also all of your 17 side hustles. (laughs) Yeah. Also have to be wildly (laughs) successful. (laughs) Exactly. And not to mention, you know, look fit and have your hair did and all of that constantly. Um, I just find that I can relax into a version of myself and, and our family, Jesus and I, we can relax into versions of ourselves and that allows us to blossom in other ways, kind of like what Jesus was saying. Like, if we don't have to worry about some of the issues that we face in the U.S., we, if we can live in a society that more aligns with the way that we think life should be lived, we can relax into that. And that, I think, will continue to express itself in many different ways throughout our time here. Um, so I'm really excited to see how that falls out. And related is my second point, which is, I think... Living here, moving to a new place has allowed me to take myself less seriously. Because to your point, Hannah, I am like a child. I'm learning everything for the first time. And I, can, I can't I can be judgmental about that. Right. I, if, if it's my first experience doing whatever, like, I'm just here for the adventure. I'm here for the learning. I'm here to, you know, eat a nice lunch and get lost on my way home. Like, it's a really nice way to just explore my own humanity and be less judgmental and less perfectionist with myself, which is of course really, really nice. You know, among my friends, we're talking about our promotions and the money that we're making and people are starting to buy houses and they can afford things that, you know, and it's, it's, I have, I have senior in front of my title now and that gives me confidence or that makes me feel whole in some way. And it's like, I just think the, I think it takes guts um, to explore who you are. And I think, we, I, I think I tend to over-prioritize work and the role that it plays in my life. And I think it takes guts to say, I'm going to explore what else is there for me. What is, who am I beyond this? Yeah, you're so right. And I'll give an example of what I mean about how those values are lived here. So the expat group, as is referenced, they have trouble finding every month a place to host us because there's so many people that come to this. And the organizers have told us stories of going to whatever cafe or hotel or restaurant or whatever and saying like, Hey, you know, next week, you know, we'd love to bring, you know, our 40, 50, 60 people here. Like, you know, would that work for you? Essentially you're like, can I give you a heads up? And I feel like in the U S most places would bend over backwards. Cause that means like good sales for that day. They, you know, good tips, like good everything. But here here the organizers say like they really struggle finding places because these places here you know 40 50 60 people and they're like oh no that is not no I want to be at home having dinner with my family that's not worth it and so like I mean I'm like wait they're putting other things above like a windfall of cash on that night like my mind is blown but to me I'm like you know what that is a place that I want to live like everything is closed on Sundays almost everything I swear here And I'm like, you know what? Yes, it's inconvenient for me if I want to do certain things, but I'm happy because that means these people aren't working. They're home, they're napping, they're catching up on 
their Netflix binges. They're doing, you know, the things that we all should be doing. And not, not that I'm saying we should all be binging Netflix, but you know, they're, they're living their lives in the way that they want to, and they're not beholden to the almighty dollar, so to speak. Yeah. Sounds nice. <laughs> yep. Uh, guys have an air mattress I can come stay on. <laughs> Just we got two. <laughs> I'll bring my cats. It'll be great. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure your cats would love company. Love so <laughs> what, uh, what, as you think about the coming year, um, what goals do you have for yourselves? Yeah, I think the goal is to enjoy the moment. It will last as long as it lasts. And we're, like I said, we're resilient and resourceful enough to figure it out once we get there. When something we need to do something else, we'll start a business, we'll move somewhere, we'll find a job, whatever that requires. But for now, it is what it is. And there's certainly some very uncomfortable uncertainty with that. But there's also kind of an exciting openness to it as well. For me, looking into this next year, having come off a very busy and intense year, uh, the word I've chosen uh, for 2023 as my theme is peace. I want to just kind of settle in, figure out whatever it is I need to figure out, whether it's like, how do, how do I send a postcard or, you know, who am I in this new culture? Like, you know, little things and really big things. I think my goal is just to try to cultivate peace within myself in having made the decisions that got us here in peacefully approaching the decisions that we'll have to make and get with, yeah, that'll take us who knows where. Yeah. And I see um, just real quick, Michelle, in your notes, allowing myself to be carried along with the current. And I just, I think that's one really beautiful. And I also love that because I think you know, I identify as like a recovering perfectionist, which I, I'm not always that much in the recovery place. And I feel like I'm in the water, like clutching onto something floating, like, no, I want to steer it. I want to steer it. <laughs> and um, the idea, and I've like done all kinds of, you know, I'm counseling, therapy, coaching, you name it, uh, Reiki healing. And the, <laughs> the consistent theme is let go of control. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Like, what do you mean? Let go of control. <laughs> And I just love the idea of um, just like letting the current carry you because it's, it, I think it is scary because I, I want to make sure I'm going in the direction I want to go. And I'm like, do I look good as I go in this direction? Uh, is everyone really <laughs> impressed? But I think just allowing yourself, you know, it's like the theme of this podcast, like needs permission to just uh, like do things differently than other people and go live in another country, not explore outside of your working life and come back to it when it's time. So I just really yeah. admire that. And I oh, thank you. relate to it because I don't really live that way. <laughs> yeah. And I relate to you as well. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like, um, I don't want to come off as like, you know, I'm just this free open spirit or anything like, you know, getting down to business. I'm definitely a recovering perfectionist. I'm a hardcore Virgo, like <laughs> yeah. for days, you know? I I'm on this recovering perfectionist journey and I'm very happy to say that I am in a place where I have been able to practice and it's definitely a practice. It's a habit of being able to let go. And I think the foundation of that is trust and belief. And sometimes it's in myself and sometimes, you know, myself is the, the root cause of the uncertainty 
So sometimes my belief and my trust has to be in something else or someone else, and that's okay. And so, you know, I think being being in a place like this makes me very aware that control is certainly not on my side because I don't even know how to communicate. I certainly don't know the process by which things operate. So if I think I'm going to control anything, I'm just in a self-delusion. So I may as well just enjoy the ride. Yeah. Hey, Zeus, what about you? I think, um, and this is really cool, listening to both you and Michelle talk about this because it's giving me memories of my time in the U.S. and really how much value I used to assign to certain things to the point of feeling like a failure if certain things didn't didn't happen. For example, the other day, I was just getting ready here in the morning to go to the gym, and I laughed out loud remembering about the what I look at things that are now in my head pathetic that I used to assign so much value to. And I thought about my, and this is a shout out to all my people back in the mortgage industry. You're worth more than how many loans you close every month. Mm -hmm. Just a reminder. And I remember like, even it just becomes this ego contest in the office, right? Of like, how much volume are you closing? How many loans do you have in your pipeline? And it's like, and, and it's true in the sense that it becomes your world, right? Because in the U.S., it's so easy to get caught up in the universe of work. And mm-hmm. everything revolves around work. Like your badge of honor is how many hours you've spent in the office. I've spent 14 hours here today, and you're the hero, right? And mm-hmm. so all that just makes me really think about the goals I've written down for this year. I, I'm just, I feel really fortunate that I was able to take the time during the pandemic to reflect and to really... Um, I think a lot of people looked at it as, and and rightfully so, right? We all have coping mechanisms to get through it. But I think a lot of people were in denial of what was happening and so desperately trying to go back to that 2019 world, right? Mm -hmm. And the way I looked at it is we've entered a new reality. Like we are no way in heck going back to that same world as much as we want to. Like things have shifted uh, in industries, in culture, the way that we just relate as human beings and what we've learned about each other. And so for me, it was going back to if the mortgage industry were to disappear today, who am I and what am I going to do with my life? And so for this year, I think my biggest thing is just to stay healthy, stay active, to remind myself that no matter what, like this is like this is my body. This is my mind. Like these are things that I need to take care of because if I'm not healthy, then it really can make life difficult. Right. So, for example, for me, it's continuing to run, hike, walk around town. I've signed up for some races, like I've found some half marathons here in Portugal that I'm doing. And the other big thing that I found out about, because sometimes we can't escape who we are, right? It's just it's like almost like a blessing and a curse. I've realized that, like you were saying, Hannah, like my ability to build friendships, relationships, even if I don't want to do it, it kind of like happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then, like, you're just I, so likable. <laughs> And that's the other thing, too, is like just being intentional with who I'm really bringing in close to my circle, right? Like who I'm actually letting into my life, because it's almost that's the curse part of it is that people want to be around you. You're like a magnet for people. So then it's like, who am I actually investing my energy and time on? And so that's the challenge for me now is is recognizing the value of what I can do, kind of the gift I have with people but also not making myself a prisoner of it. And I've already seen it here, for example. It's like, okay, everyone's like, wants a piece of my time now. Like, join this group or do this other activity or why don't we, 
I don't know. Why don't we start an organization? Why don't we do this or that? And sometimes I just want to like what I did today. I just want to go run for a couple hours and not worry about anything. And so, yeah, just, just being intentional of who I am, what I want, and just remind myself that while we do have really tangible goals, like when Michelle was saying this, I was going in my, in my head through all the goals that we are going to achieve this year. For example, in two months, less than two months now, we have to go to an interview to finalize our residency in Portugal. Ultimately, we'd love to get Portuguese citizenship, which is about five years away. So those are goals, of course, that we're working towards. But in the day-to-day, I agree with Michelle. It's just like uh, really harnessing the feeling of freedom that we've been able to create in our life right now of doing what we want to do, not because we have to do it, but because that's the life we've designed, right? Like if we want to be active, if we want to keep exercising, it's not because someone's torturing us and making us do it. It's because we see the value that brings to our health, right? It's because it's fun. It's because it's enjoyable. So yeah. I think I think that sums up my my year. Just continuing to explore, continue to stay active and enjoy enjoy the moment, like Michelle said. Beautiful. And what advice do you have for anyone who wants to move to a new country? Start now. If this is something you want to do, start now. Uh, just just do the first step. Maybe that's just like some googling. Maybe you're at the point where you need to you know pull together documents for an application. Like time is going to pass anyway. So just start now. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen all at once. It's not like the next four months. You're going to be constantly checking every single day. It's like, take a few hours here, take a few hours there, do some research. Jesus has found, and we have since depended on multiple Facebook groups that are so helpful. They have documents. There's people asking questions and answering questions. Like there are so many resources. So, you know, just start whatever it takes for you. Just start Googling or writing down or creating a spreadsheet. Go ahead and start now. Related to that is don't be afraid to ask for help. Other people's knowledge and other people's kindnesses will be critical to you getting here, to you building a community, to you understanding what the heck checklist and whatever language is really necessary. Like people have people have done this. That was one of the amazing and surprising things we learned going through this is like, we're maybe we're unique in our friend group leaving Boise, but we are not unique in people traveling and moving around the world. Like people have done this for ages and certainly a lot since, you know, the internet has existed. There are documents and checklists and so many resources out there. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to accept the kindness and knowledge of others. And then finally, and maybe most importantly, Work on your mindsets. I've seen this in my own experience and also in my observations of others who we've met here. Working on your mindset is so important. And I'll be specific with that. A mindset of abundance, a mindset of adventure, a mindset of gratitude, of everything is figure outable. I don't remember whose quote that is. Um, And a mindset of being a recovering perfectionist because there are so many challenges. But if you are grateful and flexible and easy on yourself and you know that the world is full of abundance just waiting for you, it will be a lot more satisfying. I won't say that it's easier, but it's a more satisfying journey getting to where you want to be. What about you, Jesus? I agree with Michelle that the mindset's so crucial. I'll bring up another example. We met we met some people here in Portugal, and I'll leave it anonymous. <laughs> that 
it was really obvious that they did not work on their mindset before they came here because they got here and they lasted maybe a month, a month and a half at most, Mm -hmm. because what they were chasing after isn't magically going to happen the moment you get here. It's truly, are you self-entertaining? Are you able to figure things out? Are you resourceful? Are you forgiving with yourself? And if you can't, you can't even make an attempt at those things, then being here is going to make those things even more difficult, right? You might as well stay in your bubble that you're currently in <laughs> yeah. because coming to a different country is going to be a mess in that regard. So one thing I'll talk about is, well, two things actually that I have on my notes. One is talk to people who've already done it because that makes it so much more tangible. One of our dear friends back in Boise got us in contact with another, with one of her friends that actually lives in Portugal in Southern Portugal. And she became an amazing resource. She actually was someone who kept the same for a big chunk of the process because, uh, and she actually, I think Michelle alluded to this. She said, you might feel like an alien right now within your friend group or within your family because people are like, are you nuts? Like you have this amazing life in Idaho. Why are you moving to Portugal? But she said, once you get here, you'll realize that people have done this for millennia. Like that's, it's just the way it is. Like you'll build your expat community and you guys will relate. You'll, you'll talk about the process itself. And now we have, right. And now I feel like the people that we've met here, they're kind of the anomaly within maybe their social structure back where they came from. Right. People are like, what the heck you left Tennessee and you went to Porto. (laughs) Talk to people who have done it. And also, and I think just being able to get the the pros and cons, like getting people to actually tell you what was the good and the bad and asking the hard questions like we have talked about in this podcast of what's challenging, what's frustrating, because uh, a lot of it, and especially people's social media, it's all highlight, highlight reels, right? Of like, oh, look at me eating this food or look at me doing this activity. It's not like, oh, I had a power surge in my apartment. Let me post about that. <laughs> um, and then the big one, And this really was surprising to me, but once I figured it out, it was really eye-opening, was that when you talk to people, their reaction to what you're doing is more so a reaction of their own mindset. And I I wrote it down here because I remember talking to people about this, and some people were from the onset like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. Uh, Anything that you need, anything that you need help with, let me know. Like our friend back in Boise that connected us with her friend in Portugal, she was a supporter from day one. She was like, I, I want to be in a place in life where I can do what you're doing kind of approach. Mm-hmm. Then we talked to other people that I was honestly shocked with their response because at first it was it was negative. It was very like a scarcity mindset type approach. But then once I looked more into it, I realized that it wasn't necessarily a reflection of what I'm doing, but rather a reflection on their own fears, on their own failures, on their own just way that they look at themselves and the way that they look at their own life. And so that's where I thought this was so eye-opening because I I stopped taking it personally, is I guess what I'm trying to get at. I stopped taking their feedback and thinking, yeah, maybe I am insane. Maybe I shouldn't leave my life here. But rather, I wonder why this person's telling me this. Oh, it's because they maybe have some sort of resentment about that kind of a life. Or maybe they want to do it, but they can't voice what they're feeling. So it's jealousy. Or maybe um, they think it's stupid and they don't have the guts to tell me that I'm stupid and that I shouldn't be doing that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so to me, that was that was a, a game changer, was realizing that you're going to see people's uh, true colors, first of all, which can be scary. 
uh, and sometimes it's your own family. And second, that um, you have to remind yourself that you're already doing this. And now you're not asking anyone for permission. You're informing them <laughs> if they're on board and they want to maintain a relationship and they want to be active in it. Great. And if not, then you have to have, I guess, the guts to be resilient and say, okay, well, I'm going to find the people that support me and love me for who I'm becoming. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you all taking the time. And, you know, um, Jesus, I think I appreciate your transparency about your experiences in the U.S. And I wish, I think it's hard to like sit in the reality of how focused we are and obsessed we are with race. It sucks. And I wish it wasn't the case. Um, and I, I think about what we can do to make it a more hospitable place for everybody. So that if one day you do come back, your experiences are different. I appreciate you saying that, Hannah. And I was going to say, it's definitely the elephant in the room because it makes people uncomfortable. And we have to reckon with uh, with the whole reality that we live in, right? The systems that are in place, like I was saying earlier, the reason why things are the way they are. And even yesterday, we met this wonderful couple at the expat meeting. And um, we were talking about the same topic. And I told them, but don't look at it in the sense of, now you have this white guilt, right, of like, oh, my gosh, my life's so amazing and these poor minorities. But rather look at it as you're in a privileged position to enact change more than I am, for example. So mm-hmm. by being a white person, like, be a voice for us. Like, stand up when you see injustices. Uh, make the world a different place than it is now. And so I hope that people listening to this take that away, too, that we all have a responsibility, right, mm-hmm. with who we vote into office what brands we support because brands can be so powerful, right? In terms of also the the voice they have with politics and with uh, society. And then also to maybe ask themselves, why don't I have a black friend or a Latino friend? And then (laughs) figure that out. Be like, is it my own prejudice that prevents me from talking to other people? Or is it the fact that I live in the middle of nowhere and maybe I'm not exposed to different people, which is also interesting to think about if you really get into it. (laughs) I just hope it opens up a conversation because that's the only way we're going to move forward is by talking about it. Any final thoughts? I was going to say real quick, if we're, if we can be a resource for anyone wanting to do this, more than happy to do so. Uh, Because I know it's scary and sometimes it's like, where do I even start? I don't even know anyone who's done this and not that we're the experts, but we can definitely help out. That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. Is if we can be a resource, whether it's like documents, checklists, or if I can be a resource from a coaching perspective, so happy to be of service to anyone. That's how we got here. We are more than happy to pay that forward.